This is Dr. Kara Shepard, and you're listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. Thanks for listening to Goat Talk with the Goat Doc. In this episode, I'm going to talk about the concept of herd immunity and what that means uh, for any species, basically. This is going to be another one of those episodes where I'm talking about like a general medical health idea. Um, and you can talk about it, definitely can talk about it in terms of goats and goat disease and goat health. Uh, and may be useful to apply in the spring of 2020 to the current global health situation. Um, yeah, so uh, I hope, hope it's useful. I hope you enjoy it. Um, going to just take a minute and do the usual housekeeping stuff. Thank you everybody so much for listening. I think actually I've been kind of a slacker on the usual housekeeping stuff for the last few episodes. So here's a recap. Uh, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, I love seeing messages and seeing people find the podcast and hearing from you guys. It helps keep me motivated to keep doing this. Uh, you can find me online if you want to reach out and say hi at goatdoc.com. You can find me on Instagram, which is mostly where I will hang out on social media at goat underscore doc. Uh, uh, so much on Facebook really um, but you can if you do the Twitter I'm at goat doc Kara uh, on there and if you want to send me a good old-fashioned email you can email me at goat doc Kara at gmail.com g-o-a-t-d-o-c-c-a-r-a at gmail.com um, if you are really loving the podcast and you're like a podcast super fan and you would like to join the small and growing group of super awesome podcast fans who think that what I am providing in terms of information is worth throwing a couple of bucks a month at, uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash goat doc, which is my Patreon page. And uh, there are some supporter patreon patron uh thank you things over there and i have something like brewing in my mind that's like a a secret thing that well devin and i have been talking about i have to make sure he doesn't accidentally blab it on a tales from the farm episode uh i'm just having the time to do it right now but uh yeah you can head over there um and can communicate through patreon um doing some things i gotta get get on there um, and uh, do like some live streaming things and I'm wanting to do some video things over there so I uh, definitely can go check that out if you are so inclined um, I feel like I'm forgetting something and I know I have a couple Patreon patrons that I have to shout out but I was just like running around crazy this morning 
because I'm headed to the state lab to drop off uh, blood samples for my herd because I didn't realize until like last week that our whole herd needed to have its dairy testing updated before it was actually due later this summer uh, because we moved. So Devin and I spent a good three hours uh, doing TB testing and pulling blood on all of our goats on last Thursday night, I think, and uh, now I'm just running it up to the lab so it can get going, and hopefully we can get all of our dairy stuff finally taken care of. So I've got about like 25-ish minutes to talk about herd immunity and um, what that what that is, what that means. And you probably heard that phrase because like so many other things in the uh, current buzzword lexicon, uh, that was something that was not in that, in the, like, common vocabulary until pretty recently, and now people throw that term around, and maybe it's not as well understood as it should be. Uh, before we get into talking about it, I will disclaim that this podcast is provided with the intent to educate and inform. It is not a substitute for professional medical advice or veterinary care provided by your local primary vet. And I strongly encourage you to establish and maintain a current and valid VCPR veterinary and client patient relationship with your local vet. So herd immunity really has to do with like infectious disease and... Um, This also builds on what I talked about last week with the idea of um, thinking about like how, as a vet, I think about my patients, I kind of have two hats. I think about my patients as a group, as a collective. Um, How does health and and or disease play in that group uh, dynamic versus as an individual, which is like, how do I treat this specific disease in this specific animal? Can I treat this specific disease in this specific animal? And sometimes like, you're going to be fighting a losing battle if you think of only one or the other. Um, And it can almost be more important on a group level because, like, if you... It, I, well, you know what? It's it's it works both ways because if you have an animal with a spe- like a specific individual animal with a disease, and then you are either treating it or not, that disease, if it is an infectious disease, has potential to negatively affect the rest of the group. If you um, have a group disease process going on. So if you have a group of animals where many of them are dealing with the same disease, then if you don't take measures on a group level, you're going to be dealing with more individual animals that have the disease. So you got to think about this in, in both ways. Um, like I said in the last episode, I think probably from like our own human medical like experience, just like how disease in general is dealt with um, in human medicine, Like, we don't think about it in the same group way, and we're not conditioned to think about it in the same group way because we're, like, save save human life and prolong human life at all costs. And, I mean, honestly, for the most part, like, in my lifetime, we have not had a human health issue of an infectious disease at the scale of the current issue 
and people like people just don't know how to think about it and don't know how to react to it um, because we have things like vaccines and sanitation <laughs> and like all of these marvels of modern medicine that um, and hygiene and you know all of those things that prevent us from being sick um, so yeah so herd immunity in really like in general is the concept that like you have if you have an infectious disease that infectious disease will like take go through a population and um take like get as many things sick as it does until either um all a certain percentage, a certain proportion of the population has either died from the disease or has recovered and become immune to the disease. So basically, if there's a disease, whatever it is, it's the common cold, it's COVID-19, it's rabies, it's um, HIV, it's measles, it's whatever. Um, it Whatever the disease is, uh, if it has the potential to infect a population, uh, there's like one of two options of the disease. And this is going to depend on the disease itself and its severity. So like the common cold, you're probably going to get it and you're probably going to recover. Influenza, the vast majority of people who get it are going to recover. Um, it's basically one of two outcomes from infectious disease. You get better or you die. Rabies, you're going to die. Um, common cold, you're probably going to recover. So that's like, uh, you know, kind of dramatic and blunt way to say it, but it's really like kind of the way it is. So herd immunity is this idea that whether you get infected and there's a value called R naught, which people are also, that's something that's thrown around and probably poorly understood. And I'm probably not going to do a good job explaining it. Go listen to this podcast, Will Kill You's uh, COVID-19 Chapter 4 episode, Epidemiology. And I think that's the one where they talk about, um, like, the, the epidemiology, the biostats, like, what all the numbers mean, why it matters, all of those things. So, anyway, there, there's, this is like, you know, super professional epidemiologist on that episode and is smarter than me about biostats. Um... R naught is this value that indicates how many individuals the disease is likely to spread to uh, from one infected individual. So I want to say like measles is a really high R naught, and that is like bad. So that is a super infectious disease. I want to say measles has an R naught of like eight or nine. Um, influenza, like regular, the good old human flu, has an R naught of like one. So a disease with a high R naught is going to be much more difficult to control because for every one person that has that infectious disease without any control measures in place, that disease is going to spread to the R naught value. So the flu is like one, like I said, or 1.5, and so one to one and a half people per flu case are going to get the flu. Um, the measles is crazy high, like. So for every one person that had the measles, then, you know, 10 more people potentially could get the measles. And 
that's that's a very difficult disease to control extremely infectious so those those are ways the r not value um plays into herd immunity because herd immunity uh, is like a calculation of what percentage of the population needs to be exposed to and either or not necessarily exposed to but either immunized so vaccinated with a meaningful immune response and or have had the disease and recovered from it and have a meaningful immune response in order to protect the herd. So herd immunity is this idea that if you have a certain percentage of your population that is protected by their immune system for a particular infectious disease, then that infectious disease does not have the ability to gain a foothold within that population. Um, Yeah, so like different ways of thinking about this if you have a hundred a hundred people a hundred animals a hundred individual organisms uh, and out of a hundred of them you know you're statistically and like biostatistically and just because biology is imperfect let's say that there's one individual that has an immune mediated condition where they cannot be vaccinated And then let's say there's two individuals within that population that have been vaccinated, but they're poor responders. So that's another thing to think about with herd immunity and uh, like immunity in general in vaccines is sometimes like we have vaccines, but nothing in biology is ever 100%. So you can have a vaccine and have an appropriate vaccine schedule. And then you can have an individual that just its immune system is like, yeah, nah, I don't care about that thing. And I'm not going to make antibodies to it. Why? Who knows? The immune system is crazy. Uh, Sometimes we can figure out why, but sometimes, probably most of the time, we don't. Other individuals have medical conditions where they may have a compromised immune system or uh, like a hyperactive immune system. So this happens not uncommonly in small animal patients, probably uh, less commonly in ruminant patients. Uh, Not uncommonly in horses too probably so you talk about like a vaccine reaction a vaccine reaction can range from like local discomfort and swelling to like full-blown immune system freaking out and attacking the body it's its own body because of a vaccine reaction that full-blown thing is extremely 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 rare but um it doesn't Uh, then that individual can't be vaccinated because it could die. So going back to your population of 100 individuals, you have three individuals that their immune system, for whatever reason, is not able to protect the body from an infectious disease. Um, I'm trying to think of a, a good ruminant example and like a good ruminant like goat example with like respiratory disease um like I mentioned in the previous episode I think 
I don't think I edited it out. Um, respiratory disease in ruminants. I, I promise I'll do a whole episode on coughing goats. Um, but we are more appreciating clinically that we think small ruminants have a respiratory syncytial virus, which may be BRSV, so bovine respiratory syncytial virus they may be susceptible to. And we also think there's probably like their own flavor of uh, RSV, like small ruminant RSV. But RSV is a good example of an infectious disease for goats because... You can use the bovine vaccine. Um, <laughs> like, not, you know, people do it. Um, you, and then once the animals have had it and recovered, then they're less likely to have it again. But it is something that can come through a group of animals very, very quickly. High fevers, uh, maybe respiratory, like nasal discharge, coughing, um, and then secondary bacterial involvement is often a problem as well. But once those animals have recovered, then you're less worried about them having that disease again. Also, if you have animals that are vaccinated and they're exposed to animals that have the disease, they are less likely to be affected by that disease. So if you have 100 goats and you have, let's say they're all vaccinated for a respiratory syncytial virus, and this is a bovine vaccine, this is off-label, this is out in the weeds of small ruminant medicine, um, I'll talk about it at some point, but let's say they're vaccinated and I'm picking this because it's a good example of an infectious disease. It's not something like tetanus. Tetanus is, is not something that like animals would pass to each other. It's something that has to be, it's in the environment. Um, clostridium, so the C and D that's in in the CDT vaccine is like something that's present and has a, a change in the body that allows it to overgrow and that's what causes disease. So those animals, like those are kind of a crapshoot. Like those are, um, you know, not something that spreads between animals because tetanus and Clostridium perfringens C and D are already there. They're already in the environment. It's just that they don't usually have the opportunity to cause a problem. Uh, respiratory syncytial virus can. So you got your 100 goats. Let's say you vaccinated your 100 goats. You have one goat that, let's say you have one goat that can't be vaccinated. Maybe it had a reaction. Maybe the vaccine wasn't mixed right. Maybe whatever. And you have two goats in your herd that uh, just like their immune system did a crappy job of responding. So out of your 100 goats, you have three that are not well protected by their immune system. There's no way to know this by looking, unfortunately. Um, you can talk about titers and antibodies and things like that, but that's outside the scope of this talk. And I already feel like I'm kind of wandering a bit. You're, so then you have 100 goats. Three are poorly protected from RSV. 97 are well protected from RSV. And then you bring five goats into your herd. And uh, one of them has RSV. And maybe it's not clinical. And then it becomes clinical in about a couple weeks. And if you had a herd 
of animals that was not vaccinated and was a naive popula population, so a different herd of 100 goats that's not vaccinated, has never seen this virus before. And then they also bought five goats and one of them has RSV. So they brought that virus in. The new goats brought the virus in. And in the unvaccinated population, the virus is like, woohoo, I'm gonna have a party and spread to all of these goats. Some goats will do a better job at fighting it off than other goats. And some goats will may die from that virus. Um, or secondary complications due to that virus. The vaccinated group, the virus does not have an opportunity to... The vaccinated herd, the 97 goats that are vaccinated, are going to help protect the three goats that are not protected by their vaccine. Because the virus is going to get into those vaccinated animals and the immune system of those vaccinated animals is going to say, oh, hey, we know what that is. It's bad. Let's kill it before it has an opportunity to cause disease. It'll be neutralized by antibodies and then the white cells will come along and pick it off. Thereby, the virus has decreased ability to replicate and cause disease in more hosts and it's like a dead end. So, individual animals or people are dead ends for an infectious disease either when they're dead or when they're immune so a virus isn't going to be able to replicate in a dead host and a virus isn't going to be able to replicate in an immune host those are the two things that will absolutely definitely stop a virus immunity or death um so that's the idea of herd immunity now the two herds i talked to talked about the vaccinated one and the unvaccinated one like that's that's a hard like that's a hard situation to be in um I was working with a big herd where they had a fever respiratory outbreak and I was very suspicious of a respiratory syncytial virus. And I recommended that the whole rest of the herd get vaccinated for a respiratory syncytial virus. And it's a big herd, it's like several hundred animals. Um, and then I recommended that they make it part of their protocol for animals coming in that they get vaccinated for a respiratory syncytial virus because they can prevent it. And I believe that since they have instituted that herd health policy, there has not been another respiratory outbreak like there was a few summers ago. How else would they have been able, the other thing that they did, so then the other thing they did with the, the outbreak group was they removed it from the rest of the group. They took all the animals. If the animals were sick, they got them out of there. They went through and took temperatures on like hundreds of animals because seeing who has a fever, because as you know, goats are um, really good at hiding disease. So went through a whole ton of animals, checked temperatures. If they had fevers, they got put in the sick group and separated from the unsick group. So quarantined, <laughs> socially distanced. Um, 
So yeah, I don't. I feel like I'm rambling a bit and wandering. It's it's the the idea of herd immunity is that you have you likely have weak and susceptible and non-responder immune systems within a population and within that population if the vast if the majority is vaccinated or had disease and recovered from the disease they're then they're a dead end for the virus or the infectious disease they the infectious disease cannot go through them and it's dead so if you have enough either vaccinated or immune individuals in your herd then it protects the ones that are not immune people talk about like what percentage of the population needs to be immune from something in order for herd immunity to be effective and that goes back to talking about the r not. so if a disease is not very infectious then it has has a lower r not and it has a lower threshold for herd immunity and this is all like math you know like if you have an r not of one so every one individual that gets a disease is going to pass it to one other individual that is you know much slower spread and it is much uh lower proportion needed for herd immunity to control the disease Uh, there's some really good like uh, models like visual models I've seen online of like little dots representing individuals and little dots go around and bounce into each other and then they change color like this one's sick and then it infects everyone that it touches so then it touches them all and certain other ones are different color and they're immune or they're recovered so those um if you have a low R naught and then you know maybe you only need 50% of your population to be immune or recovered in order to protect the susceptible percentage of the population. But if you have a high R naught, like measles, uh, then you have to really like have an immune population or else measles will just ravage through your population or respiratory syncytial virus if you have a a naive population that isn't equipped to deal with that disease and you bring it in then it's gonna they're gonna get sick really fast they don't have the virus is gonna have a party there's no dead end hosts for it and it will be a problem i feel like maybe i've explained it and if you have questions comments or want to talk about it feel free to find me on the internet and um yeah i think that's gonna do it for the moment i will talk to you guys next time